I heard about a couple of your uh, your pranks back in the day. Yeah, there were um, a few. <laughs> a, you sound like you would have been a hell of a teammate. You know, I had a, I had a bunch of really good ones in my uh, my short career, but uh, yeah, it sounds like you would would have been right up there at the top, man. And, I heard the same about you, man. A lot of people speak really highly of you. I know we were in the the same draft class and all that, so yeah. it's crazy. Like, and look at I, us now. That's what I was gonna say. This is gonna be my first question. I mean, you know, now I'm a podcaster. You're an NFL head coach. Where did it go wrong for you? You know, like you could have been a podcaster. I can tell you that somewhere along the way I did go wrong to have. <laughs> I think you're probably sleeping a little bit better than me these days. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Cowboy, take me away. Skull. Welcome to all you Vikings fans that are showing up for head coach Kevin O'Connell today. Chris and Kevin will kick things off with a great conversation about football coach's mentality, what he brought from the Rams and the other coaching stops he's had along the way, his mentality in coaching the preseason when he talks to other coaches. Do they want to run the twos against the twos? Who do they want to see in which games? How he addresses that with the other team's head coach. He also talks about the fact Justin Jefferson's taking a mentorship role in Jordan Addison's career, even though Justin Jefferson's only been in the league a couple years himself. A great football conversation with a great mind in Minnesota. Chris was already high on the Vikings this season, but now he's jumping on the over 8.5 win total. After Kevin, it's a good old-fashioned mailbag. We bring in Kyle and Studio J, and Bo joins Studio J Remote. And we cover everything. We talk about being cool, but when it backfired, we talk about favorite teammates, most exploited people. And also, we find out about Jim Ursay's band. That's right. He's got a good-sounded voice. Listen to the whole mailbag to hear it yourself. And then at the end, we play the NFL grid game. Chris and Kyle look at an NFL grid on Pro Football Reference and try to guess the players that match. I'm sure you'll be yelling players' names out that we should have guessed. There's one in particular that we should have nailed down. You'll hear it at the end of the show. Y'all enjoy yourselves. We'll catch you next week. All right, welcome to the show. Today's going to be a little bit different. I am wiped. It's 9.30 at night. We just finished a mailbag that you're going to hear in a little bit. I think you'll really like it. It's Kyle, myself, and Bo. We kept it short and sweet today. We got Kevin O'Connell, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. My takeaways from interviewing him for just 15, 20 minutes. I get it. You know, sometimes you have these coaches on. And um, you're like, yeah, they're cool, but, you know, they got to be able to coach ball. Like, I know this guy can coach ball, and in talking to him for 15 minutes, is pretty damn cool, too. Uh, seems like the kind of guy that you want to play hard for. You know, not a guy you're afraid of, but a guy that you want to play hard for. He's 38. He's a young man, so uh, you, you got to pull different strings. You know, if you want to be a head coach in the NFL and you're a younger guy, I think he does a great job of it. You'll enjoy it. I got to bet the, the Vikings every year. It's just the thing I do. I got to bet the win total over under. And it's always been easy to, you know, just make a call and stick with it. But I don't think the more I'm kind of making friends with these NFL coaches and the GMs and people, we've made some really good connections with, you know, people have said, hey, y'all got some good guests lately. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know. It makes my job easy. 
these guys are doing a great job booking guys, but the way it works is you get to know these these uh, media people at the different teams and that sort of thing. And they, if they like the interview, they they sent their guy for the last time. They'll send more. Uh, I'm getting close with some of these departments. I don't want to be talking about betting their their under win total. Shout out John from the Vikings. Appreciate you. Yeah, I'm not going to bet the Vikings under win total. I just can't. I feel a kinship with Kevin O'Connell, class 08. Um, so enjoy that interview. Enjoy the mailbag. Um, I'll give you a, somebody sent this one in. Is it natural for some friends to grow apart? How do you handle knowing someone who you previously spent a lot of time with no longer aligns with your goals and wants how to respectfully let them know that the friendship isn't serving you anymore without being a dick. Just start a podcast with them. Uh, I didn't know Macon was going to come up in the open today. Uh, but we, 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 we answer all type of your questions here. I mean, this one I'm not going to answer. I mean, the, the, the obvious answer is, you know, did you get married at some point? Look back at your wedding. Look back at the guest list. How many people are you still close with? Things change, man. You know, you don't even have to talk about it. You don't have to have a sit down. You just start ignoring the person's text or avoiding them. Like when you see them in a supermarket, act like you're on the phone, that type of thing. It's really not complicated. Mailbag's coming up. We'll, ta we'll tackle a lot of issues. Um, enjoy the show. Uh, and again, sorry for being short today, but I had a, ver a very secretive trip that I took that I might be able to tell you guys more about uh, maybe in a week or two. Uh, either way. Could be good, could be bad. That's all I'll say. So there's keeping you on the edge of your seats. You know, Pat McAfee's always like, got a big announcement. And then he's like, you know, running for president or something. Like, it's not going to be that big. But uh, yeah, stick around. Uh, okay, here's Kevin O'Connell and a mailbag. Coach, you know, last year, I've been on teams like this where just every game's close. And, and, and they end up breaking your way. Some years, uh, some years they don't. What do you think was the the separating factor for y'all? I know coaches get up there and they show guys like, hey, penalties do this, turnovers do this. If we take care of the ball, this happens. But what do you think it was about your team that allowed you to win those close games? Yeah. So Chris, when when I really came in here early on, you know, you're you're I was coming off of you know our Super Bowl year in L.A. where we won some close games. I mean, it yeah. really wasn't a um, it really wasn't an easy road. Uh, we had to deal with adversity. I didn't win a game that year in the month of November. Um, so the first thing I wanted to do is just kind of see, assess the overall, um, you know, uh, football mindset to just winning in general. And, and yeah. this team um, had, had, had done some good things. I, I felt strongly about the potential leadership on the roster um, on both sides of the ball, really. Um, but when I dove into it, um, I saw a team that, uh, for whatever reason, and I do believe, and, and, and you know this, that uh, some years it can go your way, some years um, it tends to be harder than others when it comes to winning close games. Uh, but I do believe in, as a coach, it's my responsibility uh, to make it part of our football philosophy and to put these guys uh, in positions so that uh, with the work we do long before we ever get in those moments, uh, at least at the, you know, at the very least, my job is to uh, force our guys to feel some of those moments and some of those stressful moments by how we talk about what we're going to do in those moments, but then how we practice 
and coach off of those uh, moments as they arise, both not only for our team, but we do it for the whole league throughout the whole season. Anything we can learn from and apply to our clock management, apply to our decision making, how we go about uh, moving the football with or without timeouts, with or without a ton of time. Um, so ultimately what I want is, you know, our players in those moments to just have a quieted mind and just be ready to go play and not worry and not think about the what ifs or have any short, sort of confusion in their minds. Um, and we were able to kind of have some early success with that um, early buy-in because the team had been in, a, in, in quite a few one score games that had gone the other way previously. Uh, so in my thought, it was, uh, if we could just improve a little bit at the end of the first half and, and, and then be just much better at the end of games, finishing those out. Uh, if we did it once, maybe there was a mindset of we could do it twice and three times and, and inevitably it just kept coming up and we found ways to do it. Yeah, I thought I was just talking to Patrick Peterson about this and uh, I, I mentioned the same thing and he said, well, coach is real good at situational football. And, you know, I think that's that's a big key, obviously. One of my favorite games to watch last year that you guys played in was the indie game. Yeah. And I know for a while it probably wasn't a lot of fun to coach that game, but I'm wondering what you said to the guys at halftime, uh, what, what you had up your sleeve. Because 28 to three, I don't know what Bill said. I don't know what he told us at the half. I don't remember. Do you remember what you said to those guys at the end of that game well, or at the in the middle of that game? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh, Pat because uh, I just remember uh, I just remember walking in the locker room and as I was getting ready to maybe not say very many pleasant things to my coaching staff, uh, I remember just overhearing right over my left shoulder, Pat Pat P yell down to Kirk, "All we got to do is score five times," and I was like, and in my mind, I'm like, you know. You know, pissed off. You're saying to yourself, oh, "Shit, we got to do a hell of a lot more than that." But then, when I sat with the coaches and I really looked at kind of what I, you know, what did we attempted to do, and just the fact that we flat out just were beating ourselves, uh, not taking anything away from the first half that the Colts had, but uh, it was just about you know checking all of where we were at from a standpoint of our mindset and just saying, "Hey." You know, we can't score five times without scoring once. And when we score that first time, it's probably the way our systems are built, especially offensively. There's normally plays off of some things that we can get to. I just knew that the momentum would swing back our way. We would just be fighting against time um, being such a significant uh, margin that we had to overcome. And when we scored that first time, there was zero kind of like uh, it was really it, it was really like such a workman approach from our team of there's one, then we got to stop, there's two, then we got to stop, there's three. And then the greatest thing about it, Chris, is adversity uh, wasn't over at that point. We had a fourth quarter turnover. Um, we picked up a fumble. Uh, we also picked up a fumble for a touchdown that was ruled uh, that they stopped the forward progress and it wasn't even a turnover, um, which was two for that day. So there was every excuse in the world, Chris, you could imagine of us saying, you know what, it's just our day. We'll we'll uh, we'll rally the troops and we'll come back next weekend and try to win the division. Um, it just made it that much sweeter just to see a lot of the things that you preach from a culture standpoint, a football philosophy standpoint. Um, no greater example of it all coming together than that day. And it just so happened to be the day we won the division. So it means the world to me. And I'm glad you, you know, you you noticed how hard that is to do because a lot of things got to have to go right. Um, but as I told our team, there's still going to be adversity. 
and all gains are, are, are significant gains when you're down by that much. There's no such thing. I, I gain a four on a first down inside zone play is a positive. You know, a, a third down conversion on a third and five at midfield, it might not put a point on the board, but it's a positive and it's momentum and it's one more chance for us to potentially apply pressure to the other side and then get that game close. And then once we got it close, we knew um, you know, the advantage was on our side with our experience leading up to that moment. So you made a lot of moves in the offseason. You know, like I lo- obviously you love these guys uh, that you had to make decisions on. I, Big Z, one of the best, Thielen, like all these guys. Eric, Eric Kendricks played with Mike in Philly. Great people, great players. What was the hardest decision you had to make? I know you probably say, hey, they were all tough, but I know when you're putting together a football team, there are some positions that are really important. What were what were the toughest decisions you had to make this offseason? Yeah, first and foremost, we don't win. Me as a first year head coach, uh, I say I, I will never use the word I. Uh, we don't win those 13 games without every single name that you just mentioned and a, and a whole bunch of others. Um, the worst part of this job is the fact that uh, it's a it's hard to manage uh, an organization and a roster from a standpoint of how the Minnesota Vikings have to do it. We can't do it a year at a time. If we do it a year at a time, you know, we will be behind in the end um, as we try to build something sustainable. So there were a lot of hard conversations. But, Chris, I can tell you the only way I know how to deal with them is to treat each individual one as its own with the amount of respect and admiration that all those players deserved um, to try to communicate all the way down to when if there was a final decision made, um, if there was some collaborating with that player of, if we could do anything to help those guys. And me personally, I can think back to having conversations, you know, with Adam Thielen and with some of our other guys, um, even all the way up until Dalvin Cook recently about, you know, those guys asking me what I thought they should do or where, uh, you know, even they were no longer Vikings, but they still cared for my opinion um, because I told them I will forever cherish the relationships I had with those players uh, and, and ultimately uh, that has been and will continue to be the hardest part of my job as a former player uh, without nearly the success of a lot of the players you just named. Uh, it was always hard to leave that locker room, you know, leave my guys in there. And when you put together something where culture matters and the locker room matters and I have so much respect for, you know, the relationships our players form with each other, um, that's the first thing I always think about is, um, just how hard it's going to be to show up to show up to work for not only myself but a lot of our guys, without some of those great players that have done so much for this organization, albeit for a year like Sidarius or Adam Thielen who had played here ten years and um, you know what an unbelievable story and left his mark. Dalvin Cook, Eric Kendrick, I mean the, the list goes on and on, and you know every every example of our team success, Chris, last year, I can attribute it to you know each one of those guys and what they were willing to, you know, commit to being a part of in my first year doing this. And there's nothing I'm more proud of than the fact that we will, they, that year we had uh, will always be with me and those players will always carry the most utmost respect that I have for them because of what they were willing to do for me. The, the one guy I was worried about, because he's one of my favorite players to watch is Hunter. And I, you know, there were rumors, what's going to happen with him and the whole thing. And, uh, I wondered if he was going to get offloaded, another tough decision, but you guys bring him back, and it's kind of a, an abnormal kind of circumstance. I feel like the, the, the contract is one you don't see a lot in that range for that kind of player. 
uh, the, the length of the deal, that sort of thing. What were you guys thinking in getting it done that way? Um, and how important is he to your defense? Very important. Um, a player of Daniil's caliber. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I'm really proud of through this whole thing is the way Daniil being the, the great player he's been for so long and will continue to be. But, Chris, there was a lot of conversations between him and I throughout the process, especially as it got down towards the end where um, I felt like him and I grew really close through this. It's amazing what being honest and just being willing to, you know, you know, willing to be vulnerable and kind of talk things out and try to find a workable solution where maybe I don't have the complete uh, authority to just, you know, meet with Daniil and let's figure this out together. He's got representation. We have, uh, you know, a, a great GM and, and a lot of support on the personnel side that really handle those things. Um, but what I was most excited about was just the fact that right now when, you know, I see Daniil Hunter walking the halls of this, of this building, it fires me up. And he's excited to be here. And I think he's going to have one of the best years that he's had in his career, which is saying something considering the career he's had up until this point. And uh, as I told him, um, although you might be on a one-year deal, uh, I want you to have the mindset that you're going to give me every opportunity to try to have more of those conversations again after you go, uh, you know, you know, you go wreck, wreck the game for the other side a, a whole heck of a lot this year. Uh, I'm going to be scratching and clawing to try to see if we can make this thing go for a heck of a lot longer than just 17 plus more games, if you know what I mean. So, no question. Yeah. Uh, with the preseason, I always wanted to ask a coach. I figured I'd wait till I talked to a coach for my draft class. This is a hard hitting question. How do y'all know who the hell's going to play week to week? Because you know we're we're always in the dark, and preseason has changed from when we were rookies. Yeah. Like you know, the whole setup is different. So I'm wondering, you know, if you're going to play Bill, your old coach, in, in week three of the preseason, maybe he's not the right example, but are you going to have a conversation with another coach and be like, hey, you guys running the twos through the first quarter, the second quarter type of thing? Because I think it's really important to know, like, you know, not only the guys you want to get work, but who you want them to get work against. How's that dance happen in the preseason with head coaches? Yeah, it's a good question. There's Sometimes there's conversations. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes it's, hey, let's just, let's just compete and – and have fun and and uh you know i tend to chris because the joint practices are so important uh just having that slight uh you know control over you know the extreme circumstances of competing against another organization doing it on the practice field with you know your ones versus their ones and, and being able to work particular situations third down red zone two minute um yeah you know, i think it allows you to uh, get the most out of those days, those reps, and then what it does, it also keeps your team fresh because you can go two days hard in a row, two and a half hours competing, and then if those guys aren't playing, um, they can recover and then do it again and again, and then as the grind of training camp uh, that you may remember used to set in, a player like yourself is shifting your mindset towards, yeah, shoot, I got to play two and a half quarters in this third preseason game, but really what I'm thinking about is like for the Minnesota Vikings September 10th, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I think there's always been a confliction there for players, especially of your caliber as you get into your career. Um, from a sports performance, sci uh, sports science standpoint, um, I can lay out a plan that regardless of circumstance will be effective to get uh, our guys ready to play that we need to get ready to play. And then the best part about it is the player development of our twos and threes. And they literally come out of training camp sometimes with, you know, 30, 40, 50 more reps than they would have 
uh, at another organization that doesn't, uh, you know, take advantage of the opportunity of, of resting some of their guys and playing their their development guys, or maybe it's somebody, a veteran, trying to make the team show what he can do. Um, but as far as the communication with other coaches, if I call somebody and they say, hey, we're playing our ones for three quarters, it's we're having a throwback game back to when uh, you and I first came in the league. Um, you know, that's not going to change my mindset. Uh, it'll just be a heck of a challenge for our twos and threes to go compete. And, uh, you know, you'd love to win every game you ever have your team, you know, suit up for. But inevitably, we're looking for, you know, marginal gains and, and improvement of a daily variety of our football team leading into September 10th. Uh, Jordan Addison, talented guy. Uh, you've got probably the best receiver in football, if I'm going by Madden ratings. Uh <laughs> 99 overall and Justin Jefferson two-part question how's Jordan doing and how's Justin doing being the vet right because Thielen leaves and now this guy who's otherworldly he was just a rookie he's got to be the guy to pass on the knowledge how's that relationship and how is uh, Jordan doing yeah Jordan's doing fantastic Um, you know everything that you know I spent a lot of time in the draft process really watching him previously at Pittsburgh and then at USC, watching him kind of play a different style of offense, different route tree. Um, but what I but what I learned quickly about him was uh, the the things that mean a lot to me: uh, body control, um, change of direction, your ability to play fast but still have a level of uh, explosiveness mixed with a smooth factor uh, that allows you to be totally and completely in control of all the things that we're asking you to do. Catches the football really well. And ultimately, is, is, you know, he's a quiet guy, but when he steps in between the white lines, you can tell there's nothing he loves more than playing football, uh, which just so happens to be very similar. Maybe not the quiet guy part, but those types of, you know, attributes and, and, and makeup of stepping in the white lines and competing like crazy, that's Justin Jefferson in its purest form. Um, I do believe you're probably uh, accurate on your assessment of where he sits in uh, professional football, not just in the matting rankings but I tend to agree with you. But I think the coolest thing for me has been watching Justin uh, assume an Adam Thielen-like role that he, that, you know, that relationship he had with Adam, and I give Adam so much credit. And really, Adam deserves a ton of credit for how successful J.J.'s been from the jump uh, because every single meeting, Adam was right next to J.J. in that meeting room. Those two guys talking about their craft, installing plays. Hey, hey, coach, you know, if Justin's running that route and I'm over here on this one, you know, are you okay if I do it like this and, 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 and maybe my, you know, get a little more depth or maybe speed it up a little bit, whatever it is. And we had that collaboration kind of in year one that helped our offense be what it was. Well, now I have Justin Jefferson sitting next to Jordan Addison every single day. And I'm already seeing JJ paint it forward like Adam did uh, for him. And I'm sure Adam had, whether it was Diggs or anybody else that was here early on in, you know, Adam's career, or at least uh, during his tenure here. Uh, I think that we, you know, I know I owe a lot to Keenan McCardell, our receiver coach, having a 17-year former really baller at the position, running that room with the command he has. But yet, I mean, nobody loves his players more than Keenan McCardell. So um, to have that type of uh, role model for those guys coaching them, but then also uh, Justin's experience with Adam now pouring over to Jordan. Don't forget about K.J. Osborne. He's kind of, uh, you know, a such an important part of what we do and then we've got some some really nice pieces also in the room from a young guy standpoint to guys like Brandon Powell, Jalen Rager and Jalen Naylor um, all of which are competing like crazy 
to, to not only make our team, but to make that receiver group one of the best in the NFL, which I feel very strongly about. Coach, I appreciate the time. Wishing you all the best of luck uh, and take care of Tyler for me. All right, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, we haven't had any vets pull the, uh, you know, the, the trick you did with the DBs, you know, <laughs> across the street. I'm sure you've told that story before. They wouldn't know what hit them. If you haven't told it, your great <laughs> listeners, they need to hear that story because uh, he kind of had me rolling hearing that one. Yeah, we've gone to the well a few times on that one. They know what you're talking about. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> all right. Well, Coach, I appreciate the time, man. Best of luck. Hope you come back after a big win, all right? Yeah, thanks, man. Always been a big fan of you, your brother, your pops, everybody. Uh, thanks a lot. Football royalty in our league, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, keep kicking ass, Coach. Thank you. I'll talk to you. This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the easy way to send, spend, save, and keep your money safe. It's great because no matter how hard life gets – Cash App keeps my money safe. You know, I, I lose a lot of stuff. I'll lose my keys, I'll lose my wallet. Sometimes I'll go on the river and the keys will end up at the bottom and anybody's guess where they are. But the point is, no matter what mistakes I make, I make a lot of them, I know Cash App is keeping my money safe. So I'm not gonna lose my money. There's card lock, face ID, and real-time transaction alerts, which means I'm free to be an idiot in every other way. Thanks, Cash App. Download in the App Store and Google Play to see why it's the number one finance app in the U.S. App Store. What do we got now? The, the, the first question, Reed. Hit us No bag. Mm-hmm. We want to know, what is the worst instance of trying to look cool and it instantly backfiring on you? This is from your personal life. Bo, you want to – do you have anything? I got one that's okay. I don't know. You remember when we would do pregame warm-ups in Philly, Chris? We kind of end it. We do a little pass rush move on the uh, on the goalpost there, and then <laughs> yeah, right it's before such we a run over. Thing. Yeah, and then we would always run over to do like one on ones or something right after that, which is on the other side of the field. And for whatever reason, part of my routine, I want to show off my ups. I would always like hit a pass rush move, a little club rip action. And uh, then, like, jump and act like I was dunking on the goalpost. And it was sweet. I thought it was so athletic. Big boy getting up there. You, there could you this... touch the goalpost? Hell yeah, bro. I was dangling from that bitch. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but in reality. We Go on. I'm picturing this right now. And there was one game where I, like, could not get up. Could not even fucking touch the bottom of the goalpost. Didn't even try. Missed it completely first try. Reloaded <laughs> the jump and jump from two feet like I was going to just flat-footed dunk. <laughs> And missed it again, and then just jogged off. In front of, like, Bismarck. You just thought you didn't try hard enough on the first (laughs) time. That's the problem. (laughs) just set my feet. All the famous people are down in the uh, end zone where the D-line warms up in Philly, too. So there's, like, pressure to look cool. Mike Trout was not amused. No, Mike Trout. Nobody is cooler than an NFL player pregame. Our guy, DJ Premier. (laughs) You haven't got beat yet. Yeah. Like you're just out there styling and profiling. Yeah. Even though minuses. I actually feel, honestly, it's a good topic because I feel terrible in pregame. Really? Yeah. Dude, I always felt like I was like, um, I don't know, uh, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything's too tight. White. The clothes are too dry. My socks are perfect. Like, you know. I feel weird. I'm not Tordal hasn't kicked in. Maybe that's why. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> Honestly, just thinking through it out loud. But I, I go in and like just pour water on myself because you never you know just... if you have to poop or pee. Like you're like, man, what is this weird sensation? It's just your nerves. Nothing you're like, Am worse. Am I about to shit my pants? Nothing worse than having to poop during a game. Ugh. I mean, nothing worse. Yeah, you got to get it. You got to get it all out. Yeah. I've seen perform. guys just go. <laughs> 
What do you mean, watch men poop? No, I'm saying just they just go. <laughs> <laughs> they just let it happen. They, they just let it happen. Uh, you definitely played with a guy who shit himself. During yeah, the game. for sure. Uh, accidentally, you know, you see that spot. You start seeing spots yeah. and dots. Okay, so in middle school, there was one day where mom or dad couldn't take me in, so the <laughs> were going to drive me in. And, and I found this out. This is a great family across the street. I knew I was going to ride to school with <laughs> girls, and I was all fired up. And I was like, you know, what, do I, you know, what am I going to wear tomorrow to school? I mm -hmm. must have been sixth grade, fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And dad was like, you got to tuck your shirt in. I'll show you a trick about tucking your shirt in. You can tuck your shirt into your underwear, and it'll never come out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I got out of the, the carpool line at, at St. Anne's, I got out, and my underwear must have been like six inches up out of my pants. <laughs> and I think was like, hey, Kyle, you should fix your shirt. He did. He was like, let me show you how to look cool as he loaded you up in the car with a mullet. He was doing his fucking underwear up to your third body. Yeah. He was like, I'm trying to do me a solid, and I must have fucked it up. There must have been a technical error on my end. <laughs> Go in there and quote Howard the Duck, which we watch <laughs> constantly at our house. All the other kids will know Howard the Duck. I couldn't even quote that. You always reference Howard the Duck. Uh, for, fuck, we were watching it, dude. You were older than me, though. Yeah. Okay. A little bestiality going on in that one. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Shame, too. She was a real dime. There were some bad cartoon characters, though. We've talked about this on the pod. Scary, scariest cartoon character? Let me tell you about the scariest cartoon character of all time, Kyle. The fucking Puss in Boots uh, <laughs> wolf. Really? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. If anybody's seen Puss in Boots, as a grown man, I was afraid. But I think it's hype. Spoiler alert that that they didn't end in like a battle royale. One of them loses. Like they, Death was just like, all right. I'm yeah, out. he just left. Yeah, he was yeah. like, you're right. Yeah. You're cool. Yeah, he's just a yeah. spectator. But those blades he had were a little scary. Everything about that fucking scary. Wolf was Sid. Scary. Sid was a scary cartoon character. Uh, looking cool. Looking cool. Uh, wearing white shorts to the combine because I thought it would look like faster, and then you could see my balls on TV. <laughs> you know, almost a Chris Jones situation. <laughs> Just it's a game of inches. Yeah, <laughs> meters in some cases, yards. Uh, your metric system. Yeah. yeah, I've been out of out of country. <laughs> the sirens go. <laughs> Holy Bo, shit! What'd you have? <laughs> How'd I look oh, out there? Oh, I got a lot of these. Reed, I could go on and on, man. Embarrassing moments. You try to look cool and you failed. Yeah. I got another one for you. This was probably Homecoming Dance 2007, which was like my sophomore year of high school, right? And uh, this is the big dance. This was the first one. You know, you ask the gal out. You kind of do it a little whole elaborate scheme to ask, ask her out. I had a girlfriend at the time. I had like a movie made. We went to a movie and uh, played like a, a thing that like was like a slideshow. I put together. Whatever. Anyway, we went to the dance. My pants were a little tight. I went to hit a dance move. And I split them from fucking crotch to like of belt course in you the did. back, and my balls I mean, like, were flopping around, everything like that. <laughs> of yeah. course you that did. was boxer shorts, not like Lululemon undies. That was yeah, like, like the shorts. loose old boxers. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, talking the about worst, like the, the, the worst, stiff, kind. the stiff like the Walmart's. Just any kind. Yeah. Just the yeah. style was. That's terrible. why I avoided them. I free balled every day. You're such an innovator. Dude. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my longer. balls were out the dance floor. I got sent off the dance floor. By yeah. a teacher. <laughs> Name the most exploited in individuals. This is off the Michael Orr story. The other oh, day. yeah, yeah. And, Bo, what's your take on this? 
So I went on a deep dive into Michael Orr this week because, like, Good. this has been a hot, hot topic. And I feel like, well, first of all, the Tui's are all getting shit on. I was on a Reddit thread recently in, like, our Memphis or whatever. Everyone who's, like, served them ever in Memphis is just absolutely shitting on this family, which is so fun when you see, like, someone kind of get canceled to hear all the all the stories come out of the woodwork and just follow along. Um, but I think it's kind of pretty obvious that – you know, Michael Orr has been exploited, right? Can we all agree on that? Do we any hot takes around yeah. here? No. no, no hot takes. Not educated. I'm enough. trying to figure out why did it take him so long to get a will done because they probably asked the question about finances and all that stuff, and they probably got to the bottom of something. I don't know the details, but yeah, you want to get a will. He's exploited. Yeah, big he's time. Ex- he's exploited. Um, yes, but so I went into a deep dive into like Hollywood accounting, right? Because the big uh, argument here is that like. You know, since they had a conservative sh- conservatorship over Michael Orr, like he hasn't seen any proceeds from like the royalties of the movie. OK, and apparently basically what it boils down to is all these big Hollywood uh, firms like cook all the books so that none of these movies are actually profitable. So everybody is saying that, you know, the Tui family um, they're they kind of haven't even really gotten paid for this movie and maybe perhaps it's just a publicity stunt from Michael Orr trying to promote his latest book. Oh, he's got a book coming out. He's got a book coming out. You know, so generally that's kind when of the somebody has a book here. coming out. They all got twelve grand. <clears throat> I read. Yeah, twelve grand. One time fee, one time payment. Yeah. What the family? For yeah, the like movie? here's a check. Thanks for letting us use your name and likeness. And this is a family that the dude sold his like fast food empire or whatever in the area for two hundred million dollars. And also, the I think the funny part in this is. When the movie came out, SJ, the son, he was like, I think he was like 15 years old or 16 years old, but they portrayed him as, you know, like a 10-year-old kid. Like, oh, they got this great relationship. Big kid, little kid, right? And SJ at the time was mad that they, like, why they portray me like that? That's lame. Makes and sense. The, and the parents were probably like, yo, shut the fuck up. Hell we yeah. just got some money. Shut your ass up. We're getting the bag. Yeah. You don't need to be complaining right now. Uh, SJ has a point, though. <laughs> Most well, at, exploited. At least they didn't per, like portray him as getting one percent and two percent on all of his like fucking standardized testing, and then ninety nine percent on the often standardized tests of protectoral instincts or whatever the fuck it was. They were like, "That's a bed." <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't see the movie. They were like, "This is your room," and he was like, "What's that?" <laughs> like, That's a bed. I was like, "Come on, dude." Yeah. Yeah. Leave Michael Orr alone. No. So with Michael Orr, who are some more? Who are some other exploited uh, individuals? I, I got one. So a dude who is world famous in history, Nikola Tesla, is exploited by our guy Elon Musk, right? Like he named his entire company after. Some, You're onto something, Kyle. I, I just I'm always. You're I would understand why if I was a kid now I'd be confused about who invented what, who did what. <laughs> Elon Musk, the great inventor. Yeah. But all this stuff is pretty much just bought and sold the the technology and the information that that he has bought over the years i I feel like it's somebody else's ideas how about sweatshop workers yep well you you really trumped me there chris (laughs) (laughs) i'll go slaves i'll go the slave (laughs) slave population i'll go i'll go um horses horses that's cute chris i'll go the planet earth oh Day this two. is good, clean exploitation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I got a whole long list, boys. First Go of ahead. all, Kyle, I'm pretty sure Elon Musk did not start Tesla. I think he exploited the founders of That's that company. That's what I'm saying, bro. No, like, he fucking bought the company from somebody and then kind of, like, iced them the fuck out. So, yeah, like, Nikola Tesla All the black exploited. musicians that Elvis exploited. Speaking of, Chris, funny you mentioned that. Taylor Swift, exploited by Scooter Braun for not owning the master recordings of her first six albums, which is why she's re-recording them in Taylor's version. That's oh, wow. awesome. Very that's topical. such a power move. Such a power move. That's one. I also, uh, I mean, I have, I have a long, I mean, we could say any sort of child actor, right? I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of Macaulay Anakin Culkin, Skywalker. Drew Barrymore. Like, we could just go on and on. Child there. soldiers Especially the ones in... Chris is um, getting dark today. Yeah. Remember <laughs> the good, movie, buddy? Remember the movie Soldier with Kurt Russell? I'm just he was not, exploited. I'm tired. I'm not very funny. I just have uh, to say real things. Uh, like, Chris, we're just saying I'm a Taylor Swift. And Chris is like, the natural resources of the continent <laughs> yeah. of Africa. Yeah, diamond miners. It's like our American exactly. team, though. Like, yeah. you know, workers, porn oh. stars, yeah. college athletes. <laughs> It's yep. like, yeah, it's like our fall America's team thing is Kyle. Said. Coal the first, miners. The first <laughs> month of the season, Kyle thought it was like legitimately just America's teams. He was coming in and just picking the Cowboys every week. Adam Shine kept telling me how much he loved my America's team. And I'd be like, why? It's just a list of teams. He's like, what you're doing is brilliant. And I was like, dude, I'm not doing what anything. What are you talking about? I'm just picking America's I kept America's being like, teams. what are you talking about? You know, America's teams like uh, it's like fucking the Cowboys three school that I don't know is doing some cool promo at the stadium that went viral. It's- and then at the end of the season, it turned into Kyle picking the the you know worker down uh, down the street, yep, the guy yep. working on the uh, yeah, he swung all trash the, trucks. He swung yeah. all, the, all the way the other way. Yeah, yeah trash trucks. <laughs> Great show, by the way, for kids. Trash truck. If you've got young kids out there, there's low sensory t- television options now that aren't like Cocomelon. <laughs> put on this show, Trash Truck. It's chill. Cocomelon's high sensory? Yeah, put on Trash Truck. Okay. I got Just no a more. Still exp- photo of a fucking trash truck? No, it's it? a kid, a trash truck, a bear, and a raccoon, and they're buddies. Okay. And they just do shit. Okay. Is it in in an NFL locker room as your teammates, you know, people you play with, is it easy to tell who treats it as a job, treats the, you know, being on an NFL team as a job or who loves, actually loves football, wants to show up to work every day, play some football? Yeah, I think it's easy to distinguish. There's a few uh, distinctions you have to make, like real versus fake, tough versus not a tough guy. Like some guys act like tough guys. They're not tough guys. You're around these guys all the time. Um, and then there's some guys who are so passionate about the game that their play and their preparation stands out head and, bo- uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's just physical freaks that can show up and get it done on a whim. Right. Uh, I feel like that's, that's the real distinction is like, who's just a freak that's getting by that's a really good player and who's putting in that extra stuff to be great because they love it, not just because they want to be great. Like some guys love football. And I think of Luke Keekley. Yeah. That's the first name that comes to mind. Like play, yeah, playing a against a guy machine. like that, he loves football. Or like Brian Cushing, steroids, but guy loved football. Jeff Scanino. I named two white linebackers. Guy. That sounds Here's bad. Here's a guy who really loves football. We're going to do NFL grids later. London so, Fletcher. But like a guy like Jeff Scanino who played, nobody's ever heard of him. He played 20 years. Oh, I've heard NFL. of him. That's my fucking idol, dude. That's a nose guard that played for fucking 20 years, and then now he's a coach, right, for the 
the commanders. Uh, coach, I don't know where he coaches. We're still working the, on the name there. The people in St. Yeah. Louis rave about this guy. They Huge say he used to live calves. in the, uh, in, in the yeah, biggest calves of all time. Check out his calves. in the facility. Yes. 20 years, man, and nobody's putting him in the Hall of Fame, but he loves football. Here's my red flag list. Okay, do you wear issued gear to the mall? You might not like 100%. football. You might just like being on the team. That's a right? great point. We had a guy in St. Louis who uh, wasn't on the team anymore and kept his issued gear and was doing a signing at Walmart. <laughs> That's low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. exploitation. That's exploitation. <laughs> Does the person say he wants to be a cat in the uh, combine? Obviously, mm -hmm. if you say that, you don't cat love football. Cat or dog. Um, is he artistic? Stop. Can't, we can't have that. Okay. Did Martellus like football? I mean, he's swinging samurai swords and shit. I'll put my coach hat on. Keep talking. Really you might it. convince me of something here. <laughs> is your name Johnny Manziel? <laughs> Maybe you don't like football. That's I never Johnny football though. No, I mean like you know, I I I shouldn't have brought up Martellus. He loved football. He the, the guy did love football. He loved football. He just loved a lot of. But things. I'm saying if I was a dumb coach, you know that I just because uh, there was a time when they were like this guy's into too much. Yes, it's not that long ago when a guy who was on Twitter and active on Twitter was a threat to your team chemistry. Yeah, like now everybody is. <laughs> the on guy like social media like every other human on the planet. Yeah, we gotta I feel like there's a him. turning point though. Like there's guys who like they love football and then they just become disillusioned, disgruntled vets slowly over time. That's what happened. To you me. know. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at three of them right here, yeah. boys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we love ball. I mean, like there, there's dudes who showed up, and, and ball is all encompassing. It's it's uh, from the minute you hit that silver door at the front of okay, house I don't hall. Love ball. But it's like from the minute you hit the okay, then you that, don't. If it's all encompassing. Then I don't but love like ball. if if you're in the morning but meeting, also, hold on, Chris. Yeah, if you're okay. in the team meeting, yeah. and I can just look across, and you just look like, you know destroyer of worlds yeah. or whatever the fuck Oppenheimer was yeah. talking about there there's other guys who are like on the edge of their seat for every word that the coach is saying and they can't wait to deliver on the message and yeah but I meet think those I think loving ball is more complicated than liking meetings but it's meetings it's eating uh in the cafeteria with your boys is it's, it working out in the off season yeah it is okay did you love ball I loved going to the spring workouts <laughs> okay we, no I'm talking about working out yeah I did I it was the only time that I would be able to like be in my best shape was during the spring I know I didn't have to play I'm on presenting Sunday. a counter argument there were things that you didn't love there were things like, like injuries lifting weights like, or... it, like injuries yeah, for yeah, the yeah. most part that made everything uncomfortable including you, nobody lifting likes weights injuries. but that's really the if you couldn't get injured I would say Oh my God! Like some there's of the nothing most, I don't like about some of it. the most ball loving players I ever played with hated <laughs> the shit around ball. They just wanted to play football because the impediment to playing football is the five walkthroughs. It's the six individual periods. That becomes it's a the, bitch. I want to go to inside run. If you, you know? jog from individual to inside run, you love ball. Oh man, then I love ball. I'm rock hard. I needed for this it to shit. warm up. <laughs> I needed it to warm up. Who loved ball more than anybody that you played with? I mean, Roquan Smith loved playing football. Yeah. Like when I got to play with him in Chicago, yeah. he was just a missile and he was, he just brought such great energy. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's hard to replicate. I mean, that whole group when we were playing well loved football. I think it's Brand always a little Brandon guys. Graham. I feel oh, like Brandon BG loved football. Watching him, remember when he was on kickoff? Or you, that was probably before you got to Philly, Chris, but watching him shit talk people in between plays and like watching him go like 
fucking juiced up before running down on a kickoff as like a 270 pound bowling ball defensive end. I mean, oh, um, 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 he wore his football pants into work like exactly. I'm on. He was he would, ready. He, to play would, football. he would football. come into the lock, come to the locker room at 6 a.m. Change, full hat like. Full pads from the waist down to the meeting yeah. room. At a guy named Corey Chavis, who you guys might know, but mm-hmm. maybe not, um, was a great vet and a guy that before there was like film that you could take home, he had a, a DVD wall like as high as the ceiling stretching one wall to the other. And it wasn't just our tape. It was everybody in the NFL. He had profiles on every player. He could tell you where everybody went to college. Like it was, he had a photographic memory. Like guys like that love football. Guys that love to grind tape, like Howard Cosell in a football player's body. That's the that those are the football junkies I love. They really entertain me because when I do this job, like I'm doing it because I do love ball, but I just like bullshitting and we chose to do this. When it's time not to watch football, I'm fine. Like I really am. You know, at the end of the season, when everybody's like, What are we gonna do the next eight months? Like, you know, it's out. like a let's have a contest to see on Twitter. Who likes football the most? There's plenty of you're things tr- to do. You're look, true about that. Look outside, man. So there are limits to my love of ball. I think the D-line and O-line alumni association makes up the people that love ball the most, and especially like when it comes to the old head coaches. Like even you find 80-year-old guys that are on Twitter that coach in the NFL for 30 years, and they yeah, just want to break down film all the time. Can't they love this shit. They love ball. You guys talked about uh, some teammates just now. Who who was one of your best friends on the on your teams? Who who was one guy you beefed with in uh, you know in practice? And you you just maybe couldn't wait to go you know knock heads. The best dude, like you know, the guy who led led the um, I guess led the the church portion of the football team was Sam Acho, and he worked. He was a relentless worker, and he's a guy that should have made my loves football list because he really Sam loved Acho. football. I was um, with him in Tampa Bay. And I'd be uh, like, me and him would, you know, go so hard and there would be so much extracurriculars and he would just stand in my face and be like, punch me in the face right now. Because he, he wasn't going to hit me. Yeah, yeah, He's like such a good He's guy. He's a real we beef, But the, my, my best friend slash worst enemy on the Bears was Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks. Hicks. Yeah. We, we dipped out of the same can every day. We shared locker space. Ooh, you guys dipped out of the same can. You know, he'd, he'd walk up and get some from me. I'd get some from him the next day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we had that kind of working relationship. Uh, <laughs> but, man, I'll tell you what. Practice, when you line up next, when you line up across from him and he's got murderous intent and you do as well and you're both healthy, especially early in training camp and you're yeah. trying to establish, you're trying to get your feet in the ground, so to speak. It's the first day of prison. Oh, buddy. It's like that. It's like that. Akeem Hicks, it's no not doubt. really because there's some people that take shit too fucking seriously. I'm not saying it's prison, but it is like the first day where everybody's just sizing some each other. Some days up. we wouldn't get dip because we just wouldn't talk after practice. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'd be like, man, I could use a dip, but I don't want to talk to him today. <laughs> and like in the yard, usually you got to worry about a little guy coming up to shank the big guy, right? Yep. But the two biggest guys are like, no, nah, we're at wreck time. We're going right out by the, the barbell and we are going <sighs> to fight. I'll meet you between the, the hashes, bud. Yep. They're going to have to, the guy on the tower is going to have to actually fire a shot. And that's what it was like, I heard, with you and Akeem Hicks. Um, and I was talking to Jay Cutler about this recently. He was somebody, we were talking about you. And somebody said, yeah, you like to get in a bunch of scuffles over there. And uh, Jay was like, yeah, there was this one in the indoor and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's the one with Nate Collins. Yeah, probably. And Jay said it was. Yeah, Nate Collins. There was another one where the whole O line jumped in. We all got kicked out. Practice ended early. 
Let me tell you about my fucking mortal enemy on the practice field. Ryan Jensen, Tampa Bay. Oh, my God, bro. Kyle, you know how it is when, like, you're, you're pass rushing during practice. Like, oh, whatever. Then, oh, turn and run to the ball. All right. He's the kind of guy to, like, grab you, underpunch you, grab you under your uh, shoulder pads, and then just do the most annoying fucking shit. Like, you turn and run for the ball, shove you from behind and stuff Stop, like that. Dude. And then he's, I was he's... always so annoyed because I'd be walking around Tampa and everybody be like, hey, are you Ryan Jensen? Like, you look like Ryan Jensen. I'd be like, no, I'm not fucking Ryan Jensen. Yeah, the worst is when one of those guys signs with your team. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, every day is going to be hell. But we had Harvey Dahl sign. He's a tone like setter guys. type guy, you know, where it's yeah. just like, dude, we fucking get it, man. It's fucking Thursday of game week. Like, yeah, I we got get it, you. Bro. I understand. Like, I'm fucking – so, yeah, that's mine. And Jens is a good, great player, really good player, great center. Goddamn, we got into it. We got into it in a joint practice when when I was at Philly and he was with the Ravens. And then, like, we like we were fighting on the field. And then they he signed in Tampa the same year as me as a free agent. It's like, oh, shit. It's the fucking worst. <laughs> What's what up, was man? that walking across him in the locker room like when you guys saw each other's beautiful uh, faces? Uh, we were cool. I mean, you know how it is. It's all good. In yeah, the locker it's room, like, man. you but know, like once you once you're on the field, it's like, fuck. Sometimes the temperature's not too comfortable, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it wasn't quite like that. No. It was all good. Speaking of good guys and bad guys across, you know, the the films, um, you know, pop culture or even in history, who are some notoriously known good people that should be bad? The example uh, came from the Sandlot, how Scotty Small should be. He's known as a good guy, but he should be bad because he didn't know who Babe Ruth was. He didn't know who S'mores was. He took the Babe Ruth and Yankees signed baseball, yeah. used, used to play baseball. Quite who are good resume. guys that should be bad? Cody Maverick from Surf's Up. Dude, without a <laughs> doubt. You guys know Surf's Up, right? I just saw it. Okay, first he leaves his family on the iceberg without saying anything. He just is like, I'm gone, doesn't say a fucking word. Then he steals, well, he doesn't steal Big Z's necklace, but he throws it in the ocean, right? And then Big Z's trying to teach him how to make a surfboard. You know, he's uncoachable. He's really just all about himself, and he's the protagonist of the movie, and I'm waiting for a part at the end of the movie where, like, they bring it home and he, like, changes, but the end of the movie is just like, oh, he's still an asshole. So Cody Maverick. Cartoon characters. Yeah. I'm thinking about the uh, the little squirrel-chasing rodent from Ice Age. Yeah. Not great. Man, not yeah. not a lot that's good there. No, no. <laughs> no. Uh, Henry Ford, talk about global warming. It's hot as fuck in Charlottesville, Virginia right now. That's true. And gentlemen. Yeah, okay. that's true. Yeah. Henry Ford. Henry Ford. But actually, most people were like, if you really look hard, anti-Semite, and yeah, the, all the well, other We've stuff. canceled him before. Yeah, I think we canceled him on this show. I got one for y'all. Jackie Chan, beloved actor, not oh, a good guy. Wow. Not a good guy. I did Hold a little deep dive into this. Yeah, look it up, man. He's a huge supporter of the Chinese Communist Party. I'm not about that. Also, a notorious <laughs> adulterer, philanderer, um, has uh, a, just a bad father. He's got an estranged daughter that he does not keep in touch with. Yeah, but what about the one he watched the movie with and she was crying? That wasn't her. That was a fake daughter, bro. No. Fake daughter. Yeah, yeah he's a bad guy. Bad guy. Jackie Chan. Bad guy. And remember, um, what was the girl's name from Rush Hour he was looking for? Also, domestic assault. Imagine okay. being domestically assaulted by Jackie Chan. Dude. Yeah, dude. Death Not by a thousand paper cuts. <laughs> you Jackie. think you could beat up Jackie Chan? I'd smack the taste out of Jackie's <laughs> mouth. 
I don't know. Prime Chung Lee. I don't even though. know what philander philanderer is, but he is one. Prime Chung Lee might get after you. him. Prime Prime Chung Lee might get Kumite. you. Kumite. Kumite. Kumite, yeah. Let's do it. If you've watched uh, Say by the Bell, Zach Morris is actually he's not a good dude. Oh really? There's a, there's a a breakout um, on YouTube. Uh, it's called Zach Morris's Trash, and it's it's a breakdown of every episode and showing why he actually is a trash person. So like why he actually wants to everyone to cheat on the test so he can get out early and go see this girl, mm-hmm. or he like goes goes and like you know screws over his buddy. All this stuff. So have you the seen the character? Yeah, not the character. The yeah, 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 yeah. Not the actor. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and there's Zach evidence. Morris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach Morris is trash, literally. Sugar. How about sugar? Sugar's not a person. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Everybody yeah, loves it. You. Yeah. I think the I think the jury's not out anymore. He'll <laughs> <sugar>. kill you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Teflon pants. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, you you know, a lot of people think Teflon pants. <laughs> Is this Hitler guy? He's drawing big crowds. <laughs> you can just see the see the wheels turning. Kyle's brain. He comes mm-hmm. out with sugar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, a lot of RPMs. Uh-huh. Oh, Kill me. Last mailbag. You get to be in one band for any single concert in history. Who are you playing? What place are you taking? Uh, what band is it? And what show? I'm hot for this one. You ready? Yeah. 1991 Metallica in Moscow uh, in front of a crowd of 1.6 million people. If you ever look up photos of this, like they, they took aerial photos. It's incredible. And then there's this video of them doing Enter Sandman. That's fucking unbelievable because the USSR had like just been disbanded. I'm not a history guy, Kingston, so you can maybe back me up on this. But 1991 Moscow, James Hetfield, it's probably a fucking top five crowd atmospheres in the entire history of humankind look it up it's pretty sick. i just saw a picture of it it's insane yeah imagine the energy in there man imagine trying to prep crowd noise like that in moscow dude dude where all the the yeah they ran out of blow in russia <laughs> yeah fresh and, out and of the ussr cocaine shortage in, in moscow, moscow. <laughs> you know oj's great in those avis commercials but i don't know about him <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Chris. We're on the last one already. Uh, I I want to be maybe a a backup singer on the the Woodstock 99 tour with DMX's Rough Riders. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Playing in front of of 200,000. Kyle just yelling, stop. He had the jean jean overalls. He had one one of them undone. Mm -hmm. He had the Tims. There's the short overalls, too. That's a fit, bro. Buddy, Rough Riders was a was a was a vibe More for than a suburban a vibe. white teen. More than a vibe. Flesh in my flesh, blood of my blood poster on the wall. You had that poster. I had that the, was dark. I kind of fell off though, uh, and then there was X. That was kind of his massacre, if you know what I mean. Big fifty guy. Um, you know, and then it just became like uh, uh oh, here's my answer. Uh probably Greg Allman at the Fillmore. And like you know, he's about to play Whipping Post, and he's like, "This, this is all from first album." And then it's just like <laughs> fucking wicked Whipping Post. It's like one of the greatest recordings of music of all time. We got a little number from our first album we're gonna do for you. Barry starts the road.
just how casual that motherfucker was out there at the Fillmore. I'd like to be, I'd like to be there. I'd be, I'd like to be one of the Almond brothers. Or uh, future when he played at the NFC Championship or something. What did he play at the divisional game with the Niners? Remember Ooh. they had him play pregame. What was the halftime show where they had all those those '90s hip hop artists out there? It was <laughs> oh, all God. the New York artists, maybe. Um, yes, and they were all in like a, a moving tower. It was 2020. Yeah, that yeah. that 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 was sick. I don't know. I don't know. That was say, no, but I'd do yeah, because Eminem came out like halfway through and everyone lost their mind. Eminem and Dr. Dre, and he had that big piano. Okay, I got two. This is this is from me. These are two mailbag questions from me. Um, okay, firstly, did you guys see the Messi thing? I don't know if uh, Bo's seen it, but basically Messi, somebody caught on to the fact that the first guy that gets off the bus is his bodyguard, the guy with him, like, at all times. And, you know, that's easy to track. But then you watch TV, and this guy's all over the pitch. He's up and down the pitch, and it came to light because Messi last night got bum-rushed by a fan because he's so wildly popular, and the guy's, like, right there to interject. Uh, I think it's incredible to be so great at your sport that you have your own bodyguard. Like, I've had teammates with... He's a water boy distance away from Messi at all times. All times. <laughs> you know, Tom Brady had the, the nutrition guy. You know, that was about the weirdest thing I've, I've ever experienced. It wasn't weird. Like, he was, he was pretty <laughs> low maintenance. Uh, it was weird. It. it was weird. He said it. It was weird. But it's, de- it's definitely not something that's normal. I'll say Chris, that. Imagine being married to the uh, most well-known supermodel of all time and getting massaged to bed every night by your nutritionist. Hold on your, a second. He makes a your, good shake. Your sports. So I'm a nutritionist guy. away. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. So, anyways, um, love you, Meg. The fucking, uh, she's not listening anyways. At all. When we had uh, Kevin O'Connell on, she was like, Bo, she's like, who'd you interview today? I was like, oh, head coach Kevin O'Connell. I was like, yeah, same draft class. She's like, what do you mean? What kind of draft class? I was like, oh, the draft class. Like, we were in the same, he's 38. And yeah, we, went kinda, to, we were in NOM together, Meg. <laughs> yeah, but you kind of, yeah. You kind of looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? You know, that kind of thing. Um, by the way, the Kevin O'Connell interview is great. I know you probably already listened to it, but, uh, Twice, but tell yeah. your friends. Oh, yeah. So the question was, uh, who are the best bodyguards of all time? Yep. And I've got a list of three here. Great. Um, the baby's bodyguard. We, yeah. we know that. Yes. The, the baby, the rapper. Fuck! That guy is a tank, man. He's we, as big as a door. Bro, I did get, get the license plate on that truck, and I looked him up on Instagram, and he's an incredible human being. It's I mean, Kane, Kane, right? Yeah, Kane Kong? Kane Kong. Kane Kong. And he put, us on, uh, he put us on his story. We put up a social about him. He thought it was funny, which is good, because I don't want to anger the fella. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, also, uh, oh, Clint Eastwood. In the movie with the uh, the yeah. fake gun. In the line of fire. In the line of fire. The thing about this, a lot of people are like Kevin Costner, bodyguard. The movie speaks for itself, but no. Frank Farmer, no. bro. No, I say no because Kevin Costner didn't have to worry about a fake gun. It's really hard to spot a fake gun. And Clint Eastwood not only spot, spotted the fake gun, but he got in front of the, uh, the fake bullet. So uh, my last is uh, Kyle Long for Jay Cutler. Good shit. Yeah, well, Good that was shit. a lot of fun. It was quite an honor. What was that like? Man, being being Jay's guy in that locker room um, was crazy. And then you go out to dinner places, and everybody loves Jay. He's like he's like an anomaly, an enigma. Um, 
and he's got that personality that everybody wants to know more about. So like, I want to go talk to him. I want to mm-hmm. go talk to him. And Jay just wants to hang out and have a good glass of whiskey and yeah. have a steak. His peacoat game is He'd incredible. give me that look like, handle that a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I took pride in being like, nah, not tonight. Maybe one of, tomorrow one of the two best-dressed white quarterbacks I've ever seen. He's sharp. Uh, Charlie Whitehurst is one. Jay Cutler's two. They're sharp. Yeah. But being his bodyguard, did he treat you well? Did people come he, after Jay a lot? You know, we didn't have many issues. Okay. And and you know what? One thing I'll say about Jay, there was always a there was always a plate at his table for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and so he treated his bodyguards well in that that regard. He did. He 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 said whiskey for my men and beer for my horses. You were definitely like his staff, bro. You like lived there with with Kristen. No, no, no. I didn't live there. I was down the street. Anytime I Facetimed you, you were over there. You were like the the kid in the neighborhood that wouldn't that wouldn't go away. You were like. Can I play, Kristen? It was what, fun. What he also cooking? pulled me. Out, he also pulled me out of a lot of shit on the field. Like yeah. he'd be the first guy to grab me by the back of my neck and pull it out. There's yeah. pictures of him yanking me off files. Yeah, yeah, I like the guy. Okay, so those are your bodyguards. Yeah, those are my three. Okay, uh, I'll go. Well, number one, eugenics, Frank Thomas. He is a bodyguard. I would imagine that on eugenics, Frank Thomas is even more physically imposing. I, than this he was is kind of like your America's team. I like this. <laughs> yeah, so I like where you're going. I was actually thinking about him for worst ads. Okay, but best bodyguard. Yeah. Uh, number two. Okay, that didn't get a laugh from anybody. So well, no, because it's it's kind of not. It's not where we were going. This is but where you try your stuff. Do you mean eugenics? Yeah. Okay, eugenics is a eugenics totally is different. A, thing. Eugenics, eugenics is a very is a, different a practice, thing. Yeah. Uh, New genetics, yeah. which they eliminate certain really, oh, really Jesus dark. Yeah, really <laughs> scary. Okay, no, I'll start again. No, I like eugenics, Frank Thomas. Stop. Did you, Stop. Did you, you think about Stop. eugenics, Frank Thomas? You think he's just he's got these? <laughs> he's, you got hey, somebody doesn't like you. Eugenics, Frank Thomas is your body. I wrote down. He just eugenics devises plans to get rid of everybody. <laughs> you know, they call him the he's big like longer, bigger. <laughs> My wife loves it. That's what he says. He's like, I mean, I want him. Does he have a lab coat on? Now I'm I mean, sweating. Eugenics <laughs> might be the best thing that was ever said. Marius Pujanowski, oh. who was not only a world's strongest man, as we all know, but he also fought in in the cage yeah. a couple times. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's for meets function. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's kind of the best of both worlds. Doesn't speak English either, so he can like say whatever in, in his native tongue. He could just bark at people. Uh, Is he a genocide guy? Number three. <laughs> number three. We're getting we're getting to that. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh huh. Because I feel like if your bodyguard, <laughs> if your bodyguard has bodyguards, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. a cheat code. Yeah, that's like every bad guy in a John Wick movie. How hard is it to get to the main guy? The guy with the metal teeth, the fat guy he beat the shit out of in John Wick Four. It's just all, it's, took a I haven't beating. seen John Wick Four. I haven't. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even get on the train for John. It's Wick over two. now. Is it? It's over. Somebody just needs to kill him in the middle of John Wick Five. They kind of leave movies you, like they, they kind of leave you wondering. Um, um, oh, same thing with the Hemsworth <laughs> movie. It's hard to get to the the main bad guy. The bad guys have bodyguards, and the bodyguards have bodyguards. They're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Denzel, mm, man on fire. Yeah, man on fire. Except he lost her. But did, you obviously didn't watch the end of the movie, though. Well, he got her back. But if if that's my kid, I don't want to lose her. I'd like I'm, if I'm interviewing character. people. I'm going to be like, do you plan on losing the child? And yeah, before and, you and you'll make get it, it about back. you. And you'll get it back. Before you make it about you and make a movie about you. 
look what I did to cover up my mistake. And he died. He did die in training day. It's like flight. It's fucking, which is a just superior. <laughs> He's movie. a liability, but it's dude. like, oh, the movie. It's all about Denzel and it's all about his character. But he fucking crashed the plane because he was drunk. He was He's hooking like, up King with Kong one of the hottest flight me. attendants I've ever seen. Is that how it happened? I never watched it. Yeah, he was drunk from the night before. Then oh. guys flips the plane over and they're like, oh, good job. It's the same thing with Man on Fire. Uh, the black dude who swam across the uh, the lagoon. <laughs> yeah, that's a great bodyguard. The guy's basically a Navy He's SEAL. Com- <laughs> <laughs> He's so committed, dude. Uh, how about uh, Jokic's brother? Dude? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, in sports, there's, you know, that's your enforcer right there. Chris, that's I got good. some good ones. Okay. Frank Farmer, you mentioned it a little bit earlier from the the movie The Bo- The Bodyguard, obviously. Yeah. obviously. Not not as much of a bodyguard, uh more of a lover, really, which is kind of that's the exciting part for me. Um here's the other one. The T eight hundred, Terminator two. Nice. Yeah. Bodyguard. Yeah. Elite bodyguard. Yeah, Come great on. Bodyguard. Not a T John- one thousand, but uh, yeah. <laughs> not quite. We're cutting hairs here. For- Protecting John Connor, fucking, you know, becoming human slowly in the process. The little cracked smile he does. Oh, what a scene. My favorite, bo- my favorite bo- bodyguard, though, is uh, the private browser function on Safari. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The delete button. Incognito mode. Exactly. Your history, all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like it never happened. You want a day worth or a week's worth? I want everything. I want to be the guy at the incognito mode air traffic control center. You know, I want to be the guy at the Google air traffic Just control center. Just watching files fly like, across. Like, wow. <laughs> like, people are into some sick shit. It's like minority report. I told you. The other day, I was th- we were talking about how to dispose of a body. I couldn't Google it because I was afraid the guy was going to see <laughs> Uh, I read that a lady. Call, he'll call that in. I read that a lady in Florida killed her roommate and then doused herself in Mountain Dew to <laughs> get the DNA off. <laughs> her mugshot is just like, <laughs> <laughs> like Baja Blast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, diabetes? Yes, no. Now, you know, like fucking uh, Mountain Dew has got seventy grams of sugar in a fucking sugar bottle. strikes again, man. Yeah, <laughs> that sugar. We got to tell people about this thing. <laughs> it's in everything. It's in everything. <laughs> this uh, this upcoming NFL season, the Colts are going to have um, John Mellencamp, Stephen Stills, and Jim Ursay's band. I fucking love this as the starting as to welcome everybody. You know, kick off football season in Indianapolis. What other famous people do you all know that have uh, have bands, have musical talent? First off, what other famous people do you know that are this powerful and famous in sports that are such a fucking good show? I mean, this guy is must-see TV. Runs his own Twitter account. Just saved a whale. guitars. Saved, saved a whale. whale. The same week he wouldn't pay the running back. So everybody was like, <laughs> so everybody was like hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> The whale! Like, Wait, what are you doing with the whale? Saquon Barkley's right there! You know, Jonathan Taylor wants fucking... I don't understand. I don't understand how he's doing it. I laugh so hard at people I just like, get mad at They're like, oh, I got something. Somebody woke up. And the fucking aggregators, they know what they're doing. Let's let's just bait these stupid motherfuckers into having a take. And, you know, here's Jim Arce and a whale. It shows like a whale on the back of an 18-wheeler. Yeah, because that's how he got it there. They had a whale on top of a private jet. (laughs) Yeah. People were like, 
Hey, you know, that's not fair to running backs or the whale. Or, or the Seattle. <laughs> 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 okay. You need to put the whale under the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these fucking idiots out here. I, I, you know, during the season, everyone's going to be bitching about flying coach like to their far games, you know, yeah. the West Coast trips. Like, God damn, flo- fly a whale out, but we, we're sitting True. in the back with the GAs and shit. Wait till you hear Support fucking how much money Daniel Snyder paid for hookers. <laughs> You're going to be really mad about the running back thing then. But they're Was also being exploited. Is that his thing? Whales are being exploited too. That was actually Jim Irsay is kind of a genius. He's saving the whales, man. <laughs> he's like 20, well, uh, he's 20 if, years late. He, like, if he wanted to go crazy. full Twitter on people, what he should have done was, oh, you care more about the running backs than the whales? Yeah. Well, what's the Get shelf life of your straight. average whale versus your average running back? You know, exactly. <laughs> Hundreds, right? Hundreds of years for some of these whales? Some of these whales. There's a shark that's like 800 years old I saw the other day. Basking shark? He knows Greenland some shit. shark? Probably a Greenland. He's seen some Greenland yeah, yeah, sharks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know my sharks. 268 nah, years. Bro. 700 years sounded a little bit fucking Lord of the Rings ish, Kyle. <laughs> you, you read one of Bo's books. Shark. <laughs> Longest life. It's a Greenland shark. No, There's like a colanth or something like that. They may live over 500 years. Who, Greenland sharks? Yeah. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean 1,000 or 700. They Kyle. may live they said over, over. They would have said over 600. They years. might have said under 550. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, Jim Irsay, I hope he lives to be 700 years old. And I hope he never sells the team. Just because, you know, it's fucking, he does stuff like this. This is, again, it's like Putin and the hockey team. We have a connection to this concert, <laughs> yeah. by the way. You know, you're out there Steven skating Stills. next to Sergei Fedorov. He's like yeah, Putin, you know. Throw throw the puck where I'm. Throw the puck where I'm going to be, not where I am. <laughs> you know, lounge. And Putin's out there just fucking missing shots and shit. They they're doing a free open net. They're doing an open net thing. They're doing a fucking. They're doing a, a penalty shot. He, they're like you you take it, comrade. And he fucking just whiffs. It's the same thing. It's like I'm, when he does the MMA stuff. He beats people up and yes. they just let him beat him up. Yes, exactly. Like, the bears are letting Putin climb all over, <laughs> over in Russia, dude. You think about it. Castro used to dominate basketball games in Cuba. Oh, I bet he, he did. was a he looked like a big fucker. Chris Paul, you got something in your eye. It's Obama. You've seen some of these baseball players from down the way. They're big, dude. If fucking if fucking President Obama came to Eagles practice, as much as I <laughs> I think the guy's a solid guy or whatever. I would fucking I would snap him in half. <laughs> he might like that apparently. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What in the name of Breitbart are you talking about? Uh, I know what he's talking about. Yo. So a, a President Obama had a former lover, and he said something in a letter like he had imagined having sex with men every day, undressing men every day in his mind. Is this uh, uh, you know a source that we can? This is on New York Post. Oh, New York Post. Okay. <laughs> no That's clue. why I asked if it was if it was. Uh, I just if, left it at what I left it. If it, it at. was uh, Gundy, if it was Mike Gundy, was the columnist or something? <laughs> One of these OAN guys. I'm a man. Yeah. Yep. And I mean that's I, it's cool. Hey, whatever you're into, man. Anybody who likes football does Lincoln, the same thing. Speaking of bodyguards, Lincoln had a bodyguard that, according to some website on Google, said that he was rumored to... Wasn't the only cherry tree he was chopping at, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, that's the wrong president. 
He was an honest man. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when Jimmy Carter got capped in that fucking Cadillac. Hey, yo. If you're a football fan, you fantasize about men daily. <laughs> no, on it. No, I mean, like, uh, they said Lincoln, he had a bodyguard that Lincoln would, uh, they'd sleep in the same bed to stay warm, which makes sense back in that day. It was day. cold. It was cold. But they said, you know, there was more than uh, body heat. That's just dedication to your craft from the bodyguard, though, you know? Yeah. I know how cold it is in Washington. I, there was a picture of me in a locker room, and it was super cold in D.C. <laughs> I would imagine in the winter months it would be even yeah. colder. You didn't see when when Washington crossed the Delaware, he was naked surrounded by bodyguards. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the hull of the boat was taken on water. There were so many naked bodyguards up there. The fuck are we talking about, huh? Here we go. Presidents. This is great. We just keep talking presidents. You want to go Jefferson? No. Well, Macon's not here. We can say whatever we want about the guy. He's like a Jefferson purist. Kind of a shitbag. Not Macon, but TJ. So um, back to Ursa. Do you want to hear some music? Yeah, I yes. want to hear some yes. music. Yes. music? And then right. I want to hear James Dolan's music, too. This is, this is Jim Ursa, the Jim Ursa band, Hurt. Is he covering Cash? I think so. Uh, he himself is covering. Is, is he? Is he the singer? Sales, yes. Of course, he's the singer, Kyle. No, not Johnny Cash. I want to hear Jim Irsay. Say- <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Jimmy! <laughs> The boy got soul. Hey, only an addict can sing this song like this. You know what I'm saying? Yes, 100%. <laughs> He's got a good fit, too. A black cowboy hat, some black sunglasses. Sounds tired from chasing that dragon <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm kind of speechless. That was great. Radio I mean, good. it's amazing what, what uh, studio equipment can do. I'm not. I'm not saying he's probably not good, but... That's better than he probably is. And that was a live performance, too. That was, he was up on stage. Oh, that was, that was live? A, that was a live wow. performance. Yes. Jim Irsay is a musician. Okay. He's a renaissance man. Fuck yeah, dude. Does everything. Yeah. Great. Great music. Now yeah. do we want to hear James Dolan? I want to hear I James heard, Dolan. I haven't heard this yet. Next summer. This is JD and the Straight Shot, Glide. Who's, who's this? James, James Dolan. Dolan. Who is that? Yeah, and you uh, it's the fucking owner of the Knicks. And, you know, oh. what I told you earlier, he's the guy that made me, I used to be really passionate about the Knicks, and he made me stop being passionate about the Knicks, but he did this really interesting thing where I didn't know it was his fault. I just <laughs> thought it was just happening. I was like, this is natural. But it's not. It's, it's James Dolan. Told Oakley he can't come to the, the Garden. He's the NBA's Oh, I remember Dan that. Snyder he fan. kicked out a, a, an alum. He's the NBA's Dan Snyder, exactly. Big budget for strings, huh? Ride, ride that slide. Close your eyes. <laughs> that reminds me of the Boston police officer. Did you see the Boston police officer go down that slide? <laughs> they, need to, they need to set the Boston police officer going down that slide to James Dolan's <laughs> Ride That Slide. <laughs> that, no comment on the quality of the music. But if you haven't seen that video, can you pull the video up, Kyle? You haven't seen this video? I've seen the video. It's one of the funniest videos it I've ever seen. came out of a wormhole. Bro, his <laughs> face. His little Boston face. 
when he came out. Of that. A little minute, man. <laughs> like a leprechaun got shot out of the wrong fucking. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw a video of a kid sliding down at half a mile. That was an the hour. best. Yeah, yeah. Like two days after, they were like, "This was my kid last week at the same thing. This was my kid and his dad." How does that happen? <laughs> Test the slide. <laughs> He almost he almost gun butted himself. <laughs> <laughs> he came up in the fetal position after he got off the ground. He got up and tased himself. Bro, that fucking, I feel terrible, bro. <laughs> uh, they made Make him read read the Miranda rights to the medical specialist. How do you get upside down? Like you have the right to a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, you can't go back in. <laughs> hey, somebody else go arrest that kid with a lemonade stand. <laughs> oh. No, honestly, cops have a hard job. This is the hardest part, too. <laughs> they do have a hard fucking job, but this is fucked up. How you draw this assignment is is beyond me. Like, they, what did they he do? Test the slide? No, they didn't test the slide. It, it, I feel like it's one of those videos. You know, it, it's the feel good video where the cop goes to the you know the neighborhood and he plays basketball, right? Yeah. It's like one of those where the cop went to the park to play. You know, oh, I'm playing with the kids. Oh, go down the slide, and then he gets. And then Udonis Haslam yeah. fouls the shit out yeah. of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyways, uh, that does. We don't know anything about this cop. No, he probably is a great guy. I don't know, but th this is. It's this... just amazing that in this day and age. Listen, if that was a, if that was a fucking. Uh, he would have been on the Today Show. He should be on the Today Show. If that was a butcher, I'd laugh. You know what I mean? Like, guys <laughs> like that get interviewed on morning television. Yeah. Okay, so, so the question is what, what, uh, what famous people are actually good at music? And besides Jim Irsay is the question because. Guy's good at music. Uh, Steve Martin is my answer. Steve, Steve Martin's Ma ridiculous. Steve Martin is, uh, you talk about strings. I mean, strings. He's got the strings. During and the pandemic, he would put out like once a month, he would put out an awesome, you know, him just playing banjo. Yeah. Him just ch chilling and playing banjo. White haired Steve Martin? Yeah. That's the mm -hmm. one. That's the one. Okay. Uh, what about, also, what about Mylotta? What about Jordan oh, Mylotta? Jordan Mylotta is wildly talented. He's so Voice good. Voice of an angel. Voice yeah. of a, yeah. Yeah. An angel. Uh, Kevin Costner and the Modern West. He's got a band. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, do you have any good. of their, do you have yeah, any of their you jams? Up? I, I haven't heard it. Yeah, I this is like free, free press for all these budding musicians. Yeah, because Kevin Costner needs it. Hey, let her rip. <laughs> Here's Kevin Costner uh, in the Modern West. Won't stop loving you. Airy. I still wake up every morning. Is this Kevin? Kevin? This is Kevin. <clears throat> He's a natural. Okay, that's enough. It's okay, great. That's it's good. good. He's good. He's good at music. It's not great. It's not as good as Ursa. He's good at music. Ursay's hurt was better. Yeah. Okay. All right, that's it for our mailbag. Bo, it was nice of you to join us. It's good to see your face. Hell yeah, brother. I've been Great playing NFL Grid, bro, and I've used you like three times. Let's go. Yeah, when you get that grid and you you know, you know see New England Patriots and uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and really nobody comes to mind except for me. Exactly, dude. Exactly. <laughs> the uh, All the other ones are just... Irina Shank's boyfriend. 
non-interesting <laughs> answers. Yeah. Good news. The Thursday show we do with AMP will continue. 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston. Uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fire it off in the chat. We'll answer. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at four thirty on AMP. Uh, check us out. So, Chris, I know you've been playing some immaculate NFL grids, dude. Like my life depends on it. <laughs> yeah. This is more toxic than gambling for me. It's pretty fun. So we got one, a new one today from a Pro Football Reference. So on the top, we got Arizona Cardinals, Minnesota Vikings, and Super Bowl champ. And on the side, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Green Bay Packers, and Denver Broncos. We got only nine guesses, so we got to name a player that did each of those okay, things. Okay, I'll go grid by grid because I was trying this one on the ride over and I could not finish it. Maybe you guys can help me finish it. Pittsburgh and Arizona, there's a guy named Clark Hagens. Okay, don't ask me how I know. Clark Hagens played for both those teams. He's going to get you one of these like astronomically low percentage scores. And Kyle, the way this works is the more obscure the player. Ooh, 2%. 2%, okay? So he doesn't even have a photo. He's so unknown. No, yeah, he's a shadow program guy, but he was a good player. Okay. So it's like, if I can name like a practice squad guy. Both yeah, that's right. I Green think he Bay had to be on the roster. Green Bay Packers do James Jones for Super Bowl champ. Because, mm. you know, a lot of people are probably going Jordy Nelson. How many people are taking it a step further? Some people go quarterback. The, they're not playing the game right. James Jones, he's a wide receiver, played till 2006, I believe. No, to, till 2016. 2016. Ooh, 0.5%. 0.5%. Okay, so Mark Schlereth, Super Bowl champ. I know, but I got a better one for you. I think I have a better one for you. Um, this game is fun. Right, isn't it? So we got to decide between somebody like Mark Schlereth or think Good. about somebody obscure on that, on that Broncos team. Um, I could have given you a, a, more, a more obscure. Oh, Darian Stewart. Ma Darian yeah. Stewart, Max Garcia, too. Dar they're going to be the <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, same. Darian Stewart. It, it's Darian with, a, with an A. -R -I -A -N, I A N. Stewart. Yep. 0.1%. Yeah. Exactly. Let's Holy fucking go. shit. Okay, Pittsburgh Steelers. Super Bowl champ. Um, let's see. You want to pick somebody from, from this last Super Bowl? Kind of run. Do uh, sometimes you can go Heath Miller. Oh, 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 we got James Ferrier. James Ferrier. UVA. UVA. James Ferrier. Let's see how James All Ferrier. All-time great player. 0.5%. Okay, so we're setting up pretty good for this. Arizona and Green Bay. I believe I was having trouble with this one. Okay. So so the, the two left. We need somebody that had one point played These are for the Cardinals and at one point played for the Packers. Denver and Arizona, um, you could go Carlos Dansby, right? Didn't he play in Denver? But you could also go um, Bertrand Barry. I believe he played in, yeah, in Denver. Yeah, yeah. Bertrand Barry. Yeah, yeah. You can also use him for the Colts. Brett Favre, ladies and point, obviously. 0.4% okay. Bertrand Barry. Yeah, Kyle, you're right. Brett Favre would work for Packers Vikings. Uh, Packers Vikings, another one that will work would be Zadarius Smith, obviously, uh -huh. right? That's a... So... Uh, Packers. Packers Cardinals is tough. Packers Cardinals is tough. Packers and Vikings. Do we have anybody for Packers and Vikings? Broncos and Vikings. 
So we got Packers and Vikings. No Googles. Um, Could put Favre, obviously. Oh, 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 there's, there's, there's. Uh, Smith would be better. Smith would be better go, than Go ahead and put Z Smith in there. Okay. Okay. Score went up a little bit. But we're still good. Okay. 15%, okay. nothing wrong. So Denver and Minnesota. Did Dominique Foxworth play in Minnesota? I, I, I thought he only played for two teams. I thought he only played for Denver and who was it? Baltimore? Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah, it is Denver and Baltimore. So Denver and Minnesota. Me at 16 years old would be really good at this game. Yeah. <laughs> but my give a fuck for this. Yeah. Denver and Minnesota. Oh, Mike Boone. Boone. Mike B O O N E. Mike Boone, sure. He's, I think he's oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Alex Boone played for the Vikings and Did he? for the. The Cardinals, didn't he? He played for he had a, he did play for the Cardinals and the Vikings. He played for the Vikings. Yes. You're sure about that? 100%. Okay, good. Uh, but we don't need Cardinals Vikings. Fuck. We just need Broncos Vikings. So okay. I'm gonna this happens to me all the time. Too. I'm gonna go with Fuck. the yeah. It's hard. Uh, Mike, Mike Boone, Boone. right? Seven uh, percent. Nice. Not a bad score at all. Great job. Okay, we got two boxes left. No two left, and we we guys, we can do this. Green Bay. Green Bay, of Minnesota. There might be somebody from back in the day. The problem is. I was going through this and I was coming up empty on all the big skill position famous players. Um, it's probably somebody. Did Joe Webb play for both teams? No. Mm -mm. Uh, he, he was definitely in Minnesota. Did Brett Hun Brett Hunley? Did he play in Minnesota? No. That sounds right. When? I know. Oh, he played in. He played in he Green in, Bay. Yeah, and, and Baltimore. And Arizona. It was Arizona. He definitely played. Oh, if you played in Green Bay, that's your Green guy. Bay and Brett Hundley. He did play in, in yeah. Green Bay. Great. We are one away. Oh, great. Uh, one away. Yeah. That one was we a little higher, 31%, but we're here. still really, really good. Any score under 100 rarity is, like, amazing. Okay. All right. So just need a Steeler Viking. We can't do Pat Pete because he hasn't played yet this year. Damn. Steeler Viking. All the all the people listening and they're you know listening right now are screaming out yeah. names. Yeah, there's, there's somebody. That's how it goes. Yeah. Steelers and Vikings. Did, did Richard Mendenhall? Did he play no. Minnesota? No. Was he just in just he in, was just in Pittsburgh? Robert Smith didn't play. He no, played, was, he he played. Anyone on the on the um, purple people eaters? Back. What about tight ends? Yeah, I was thinking. So it was, with it was, long hair, or who was Spade? Who was the tight end? Who, who? No, Spade. Spade was Minnesota in college. Oh, yeah. Mark Chamura. Yeah, that's all I can think of. <laughs> Tanyan and fucking Chamura and uh, Steelers. Fuck yeah. All right, we'll, we'll we'll open a new one in a second. We'll keep this box open. Um. We we just can't get uh, fuck uh, linebackers. Um, Maybe they've made a trade with each other at some point. If we could remember the trade, we'd have both. Sides. Yeah. We haven't been thinking about kickers and punters. No, we're backup quarterbacks enough. Uh -huh. Homie, homie Charlie Batch. Ponder didn't play. Ponder didn't play in Green Bay. I was thinking no. Ponder. Charlie, Charlie Batch. No, Tommy I'm Maddox. Pittsburgh and Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, Saint, there was a there was a Saint Clair. He was a backup in Pittsburgh, but I don't think he played in Minnesota. Did Josh Johnson play in Minnesota? He played in Pittsburgh. 
played for like 15 teams. Oh, I know. It could be one of the teams. Like, I was like, get that guess in. <laughs> we get one more that, guess. That's not a bad guess. Josh Johnson. Oh, that'd be hilarious. It's not really going to change anything. How about any DBs like Ike Taylor, Ryan Clark, any of those guys? Brian McFadden. McFadden played in Pittsburgh and Arizona. Arizona, Shit. yeah. But that would have, I yeah, think, people would have gotten yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brett, uh, uh, Kiesel. Did Kiesel play? No, else? no, no. I went through all these. Um, who was the Lynn Swan? Was he in Minnesota? Casey uh, no. Hayward, Casey. Yeah, I got Hampton, one for, Hampton. I got one for you at home. Like Franco Harris will give you no Seahawks and Casey Steelers. Hmm. It's like '98. He he was like no, he wouldn't. Mid 2000. No, he wasn't. Neither was like Kevin Williams or Pat Williams. No, I was thinking Kevin Williams. Yeah. As well. Pouncey did the Brian did Pouncey? Robinson, no, no. Pouncey. Who are some of those offensive linemen on that mid two thousands team? Fanica, um, Max, uh, I forget what his last name was. Uh, Cologne, obvi obviously mm -hmm. Willie Cologne. I think it's going to be somebody. He, was he in Pittsburgh? I th yeah, Cologne. I think, yeah, yeah. Jets in Pittsburgh. I just got. I think this is going to. I think we're sunk. Jo Let's take the Josh Johnson yeah. guess though. I think we should always guess Josh Johnson. <laughs> yeah, here's a good shot at doing it. Fuck. Oh, it was wrong. Oh, who would it have been? They don't tell you. Google that. Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace. Oh, and I played with shit. Mike that Wallace. was so fucking was right in front of I us. played with Mike Wallace. Damn. Mike Wallace is cool as shit. Fast as fuck. Okay. Give us another one. All right. Another football mm -hmm. one? Yeah, sure. Did you do this with like porn stars? That's what I'm saying. We can do it with anything. I have one drawn up for a porn pop stars. culture one. No, Johnny hasn't shot with <laughs> Jayla. Sarah J. Yeah, she's gonna do most of the interracial. Um, so Lex Steele, that'd be a pretty safe bet. All right, we got Mr. Marcus. Definitely, no doubt. I feel like I've seen Sarah J. in the scene. Okay, this one. All right, next grid, we got on the top line, Tampa Bay Bucks, Washington Commanders, and two-plus kick return or punt return touchdowns in a season. On the left column, we got Dallas Cowboys, Pittsburgh Steelers, Philadelphia So you can Eagles. pick any of those? They don't, the, the, touchdown, the touchdowns don't have to be for a team? You just pick? No, they have to be for the team. On for the, the Cowboys there. Mm -hmm. so, so, I mean, we have one Deshaun in Bo Jackson. Allen. Yeah, let's yeah. see. Bo, Bo Allen's probably a low percentage. What do you, what you mean? <laughs> I mean, he's not as well known as um, wildly underrated. Some Obviously other eagle bucks. He's been exploited. Make sure you click the right bow, Allen. Three percent. There you go. Okay. <laughs> that face. So Cowboys and Bucks. Um, I feel like there's a wide receiver recently, but uh, did Doug uh, running back Cole, Doug Cole Beasley? Yeah. But that's your percentage isn't going to be real low, but it's more important to go nine and nine. 21%. Okay, Steelers and Bucks. Um, uh, Leftwich. Nice. That's great. Nice. Wow, rare joint there. Yeah, that's rare joint. Rare joint. So Wa Washington and Dallas? There should be a lot oh, here. Oh, running back, Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris. I feel like he's going to be high, though. He's the only reason we beat Dallas one year. We couldn't beat Philly. Couldn't beat Dallas. Damn. In the lineup. 
Yeah, that's a high percentage. Yeah, still um, correct. Washington and uh, and the Steelers. Uh, um, DB. Uh, did Ike Taylor play in Washington? There is one DB. It's not Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark is is the guy though. Did he play in both yeah. places? Mm-hmm. He played for Greg Williams in Washington. Uh, Antoine Randall L. Yeah, he'd be punched. Steelers yeah. two plus yeah. returns in a season. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's good. And Sproles for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I think Sproles might have a lower. I'm. I'll, if I lose this, this game, it is what it is. But yeah, okay, good. Nice. We're seven for seven. We need a Cowboys returner and a Washington Philly combo guy. Like Did Felix good. Jones return kicks and punts? Um, um, I don't think I, th- I don't think prime? he returned enough for two. Since '99, oh, since '99, yeah. No. yeah. Uh, I know Des Bryant returned at least one touchdown. Well, he's probably your answer. I'm trying to think, though. he didn't even catch it. Yeah. Yeah. Washington and Philly. McNabb, but you know, there's again. yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, yeah. There's there's other guys than McNabb. We can get we can get somebody else. Um, yeah. Oh, WDE. Oh, uh, Kerrigan. Kerrigan. Good. That's, that's a that's tough good. block. That motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Is tough to block. Sixteen percent. All right. Okay, so we need Cowboys a, returner. A Cowboys ninety nine. You guys feel good with those? Yeah. Sure. Let's try it. Yes. Nice yeah. read. There we go. We got one. We got one. Completed. Yeah. That guy's got a thousand hours on this shit. <laughs>